0: Hello, welcome to Feed, Play, Love, the bite-sized podcast for parents. I'm Siobhan Hunt. This is a show all about parenting. I speak to experts and carers about everything from fussy eating, toddler behavior, sleep and more. When I had my babies, I was pretty scared of labor. I didn't know what to expect and it all felt pretty overwhelming. Through both pregnancies, I was in a midwifery group practice and I pretty much handed over my care to them. They were the experts after all, and I trusted them. At the same time, though, by doing this, by just handing over all care and responsibility to them, I I was really handing over my rights. Jamie Lee Hawkins is a doula who believes that women need to know their rights in the birthing ward, and then we can all have more power and understanding around what's going on. Hi, Jamie. How are you?
1: Hi, good. How are you?
0: Good, thank you. So you are very passionate uh, about consent when it comes to childbirth. What kinds of rights does a woman have in that birthing suite?
1: Oh, so many more than what we're led to believe. (laughs) Um, um, We are ultimately the decision makers and I think that that kind of encompasses everything from all throughout pregnancy Um, throughout labor and birth and postpartum as well and as you said in your intro so often we are uh, led to believe that we have to hand over that that power to the professionals and you know they do this every day and um, and that kind of narrative and that's for your safety and your baby's safety Um, when really no one cares about your the safety of your baby more than you do and I think that it's just we've we've kind of gone down this path of pathologizing labor and birth as this medical event, when in the vast majority of cases that, that's not that's not the case. So being informed that you are the one that makes the decisions, you're the one that has the power over doing your own research from evidence based sources um, and also from within as well about what feels right and what doesn't feel right and and making that decision for yourself you know the testing and the monitoring and um, all of these different things that are all recommended should be an option they shouldn't be a mandatory kind of part of pregnancy and labor and birth so I think that Personally, the informed choice, informed consent, is just such a huge topic for me um, that I'm so passionate about.
0: And and why is it important? What difference does it make when you understand what they are? Uh, just from my perspective, I had good births in both cases. I didn't have any um, trauma associated with my birth. I wasn't unhappy with how I was treated. I felt good afterwards, but. Um, why and in what scenarios do women need to know what their rights are?
1: To know that you don't need to be induced because you've hit 40 weeks um, and then, you know, going down that cascade of intervention from induction to, you know, all of the intervention that comes with those decisions. So knowing that you don't just have to go along with what is recommended to you is Hugely empowering, hugely empowering to say that I I did this, I made these decisions. And if you if you want to go ahead with induction, that's absolutely fine, of course. But mm. the informed decision around it, knowing the risks and the benefits, knowing that ultimately you are the one that makes the decision. I see so many, so many comments from women saying, "I've been given my induction date of thirty eight weeks and five days," um, or My obstetrician will not allow me to go past 40 weeks, so this baby is going to be here in the next couple of weeks. All of this kind of language around being allowed, being given permission to do things, you know, with your own body and your own baby without actually ever being given any information around the the risks of those choices and the benefits of those choices. So rather than having birth happen to you, You can be in the driver's seat. You can be the one saying, you know what, that doesn't feel right.
0: So, Jamie, um, do we know that the trauma that we're talking about comes from intervention
1: or unwanted interventions? There's a really great group on Facebook called Maternity Choices Australia, and there's also a Maternity Choices Australia for each state as well. So they're consumer advocates. It's a really great group. They're all volunteers. Yeah, they're they're really fantastic. So you'd be able to find all of that information on on their page. From memory, from what I've just recently read, it's about 75% of the trauma is coming from the way that the woman is treated. So whether they are how they are spoken to in their pregnancy, in their labors, in their births, postpartum not being asked for consent for different things. Um, a post that I made on Facebook and Instagram the other day, I had so many comments, shares, um, stories being inboxed to me about, you know, just horrific things that people don't believe happens in this country. So what could
0: you give me some examples, Jamie, like what, what's actually being happening?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean... It, it there's a there's a range um from you know what people would say is quite minor and actually is it's kind of standard which is what happened in my case so in in my first birth I had started to push in the bath after I'd just been told 45 minutes prior that I was going to be there for at least another 12 hours oh wow um and then I started pushing and the midwife came in and she's crossed her arms and says if you keep pushing you're going to hurt yourself and you're going to hurt your baby. You need to get out. You need to get out of the bath. And then by the time I had gotten out of the bath mid-contraction, um, my baby's head was out. So oh, it was, um, you know, there's kind of no trust in that way and no no option. And then also, um, even though I had opted out of the sintocinon and shot for my placenta delivery, that was still given to me um, against my consent. Um, so there's there's that which happens often. It happens often. Um, and I, I know women I know I have clients that have said that they were told previously that it was pain relief, that they don't even remember having it, that they never signed anything to give consent, they never they never knew about it. And then it ranges, you know, to the opposite end of the scale of women screaming no don't touch me or no, get your hands out of me, while nurses or midwives have held a woman down so an obstetrician can do a vaginal examination against her consent.
0: You mentioned earlier that those um, interventions are often, they're often excused, I guess, by the OB or the midwives or the nurses saying that if you don't let me do this, you or your baby will be in danger. Wouldn't it be the case that in some Instances the baby is in danger, and how do we know when is the time to say, I don't want you to go there, or letting them? Because I know what you're saying that we understand we know our own bodies, and when we're empowered and educated about birth, we can make good decisions. Are there instances where we just don't know and we do have to trust them?
1: I mean, we should always be able to trust our care provider, we should always be choosing. A, a care provider that we can trust. And I don't like, I, I and I never want anybody to go into birth looking or expecting a fight or to be disrespected. So we really need to, in the beginning, choose our care provider with lots of information, lots of questioning, like you're interviewing them. Okay. So first of all, that's really important that you do trust your care provider. If you're in the situation where, you know, 95% of women are, where we have fragmented maternity care, where you likely haven't met the midwife that that is there at your birth, then you need to be really informed about that. So I personally don't think that there is any circumstance that is okay for a woman to be held down and as she's screaming no to have somebody put their hand inside her to me that is, well, in any other circumstances, it would be rape. So even if her baby is in danger, it is her baby. It is her body. And if she is saying no, that should be respected. She, of course, needs to deal with the consequences. But he is the one that has to deal with the consequences herself. So I think that I, it's a it's a very good question because and I'm asked it often. Well, how do we know when the intervention is needed? You need to have that trust in your care provider, and you need to have that information going in about you know different kind of interventions, the risks and the benefits. Because once you're in the birthing suite and you're in labour, you're not in the mind frame to discuss risks and benefits. <laughs> That's natural. That's what you're. That's that's where you're supposed to be. You're supposed to be in this instinctive brain, but it puts you in such. A vulnerable position because you're so susceptible to persuasion you know if anybody says anything to you in labor you're just like yes okay
0: (laughs) 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 unless it's my husband saying he needs a cup of coffee and then I'm like no don't go Uh, anywhere
1: my my husband said that um he when I was in labor he was complaining that his socks were wet and I was like really (laughs)
0: um so can i just go back to jamie to your experience you mentioned that they gave you an injection for your placenta to come out can you tell me why you didn't want the injection and when they went ahead and did it anyway how that made you feel
1: yeah sure so um the syntocin injection is a synthetic oxytocin injection that is um as far as I know, in at least the majority of hospitals is standard practice, but you can decline that. So I declined because I'd done a little, and I mean, this was before I did my doula work. This is before I did my hypnobirthing stuff. Like this was just very, very early days for me, but I had done some research and kind of weighed up the risks and benefits knowing that the risks increased risk of postpartum depression bonding, breastfeeding, all of these kind of things that it there's evidence to say that it can affect. And, and you know, if I had a physiological birth, which is what I did, I, I didn't have an induction, then the risk of postpartum hemorrhage was already so low that I didn't feel like the benefit weighed, outweighed the risk for me. Yeah. So I, I did, I opted out of it. And then I didn't even really notice what was happening because, you know, you just, your baby is just being put on your chest and you know, in, in my case, I had a very quick um, labor and birth and I was kind of in shock a little bit. And then I felt this sting in my leg and I looked over and I saw that they'd given me the injection. I, I didn't even say anything at the time because I was like, I was in shock. I just had my baby. I, I didn't really know what was happening. So it wasn't until a few days, even a few weeks later that I it really kind of started to get to me because I'm, you know, I, I had done this all myself and, you know, I was really proud of the way that everything went and, you know, apart from, of course, the care that I had, but in myself, I felt very empowered about my birth and that kind of took away from that. It, I kind of felt um, tricked and I felt disrespected that that not even without asking consent, it was specifically against my wishes that it was done. Um, And it was kind of like, oh, well, too bad. It's done now.
0: And do you feel that this happens during labor because uh, there's just this idea that everybody else knows better than you do what your body needs?
1: Yes. Okay. Absolutely. And and, and not only that, I think that it's just box ticking as well, especially with the Syntosin injection, it makes everything faster. It makes the placenta come faster. Instead of having to wait two hours um, for the placenta, you know, up to two hours mm. for the placenta to come, then it can be out in 15 minutes and they can clean the room and we can get on to the next person. So it's kind of a, you know, a convenience thing as well. I had a client that had specifically said uh, that she did not want the Syntosin injection. So I was her doula and they started to get her, the, the Syntosin injection ready as she was pushing. Um, and I said I said to them, I said to the obstetrician, oh, you know, uh, she this was my very first client. Um, oh, she doesn't want that. On her birth plan she stated that she doesn't want the Syntosin injection. And, you know, some not very pleasant words were said to me. About not giving medical advice. And I'm like, but I'm not. I'm just advocating for what her choice is. And her choice is to not have the injection. So, and the obstetrician ended up waiting until she was, you know, mid push, saying, sweetheart, are you sure you don't want me to give you the injection that will stop you bleeding out? Oh, dear. And her response was, do whatever you want. And so they do whatever they want. It's it's so difficult because when you're, you know, of course, they're going to take her word over what she'd previously written in a birth plan because whatever's the most up-to-date is what she wants, right? But we're not in that state to make that decision.
0: Well, it didn't even seem, sound like she was making a decision. No, she wasn't, no. So what have you seen with your clients anyway or the people that you've spoken to or the women that responded to your post about birth Birth rights or a woman's rights in the birthing room, yeah. what have you heard the impact has been of not being respected in that way, not having their choices listened to, not being able to advocate for themselves and their rights? What is the impact of that that you've seen?
1: The biggest impact um, is feeling having it going from what could have been such a positive empowering experience to then being one that was where you were traumatized or disrespected by people that were supposed to be taking care of you so that distrust of the system after that point so many women are very fearful to have second babies. Um, or third babies or fourth babies after they've experienced um, that kind of treatment so it, it affects them in that way it affects their bonding to their child it affects their mental health postpartum so in Australia the biggest killer of of women in that first year postpartum is suicide which is so scary and so much should be done about it but nothing seems to be and you know there's this narrative of healthy mom, healthy baby. Like that's the, that's the standard. That's, that's what we should be aiming for. That should be expected. Like, shouldn't it be expected that we come out alive? It can't be the, you know, the yardstick and what kind of, you know, what constitutes healthy mom, healthy baby, because you might be physically healthy, but you might not be mentally healthy because of the way that you were treated or what you went through in labor and birth. Um, and even postpartum. So it's it affects so much. It affects relationships. It affects, um, you know, going on to have more children. It affects the mode of care that some women choose to go through with subsequent children. You know, some women choose to free birth, um, which is birthing at home with no medical, so no midwife or no medical staff present whatsoever because they have such a distrust mm. of the um, so yeah, there, there are so many impacts in so many ways and you then see that trauma being, um, perpetuated on social media, um, blogs, um, you know, baby showers, you know, all of these really horrible traumatic stories are just pushed onto other pregnant women. And then they they almost expect it which makes it really hard to kind of fight against if that's the care that you're already expecting. So where can women and their partners learn about their rights? So I really recommend every single woman and their partners having a look at, um, the Australian medical associations, maternal decision-making guidelines. So there's 10 guidelines about, you know, your, your rights as a decision maker, um, in this space, there's also some really good information in, so I, I teach the Hypnobirthing Australia course and we go through human rights in childbirth in that course. There are so many avenues that you can go down to see what your human rights are in childbirth. But I find that the maternal decision-making guidelines work really well with care providers because it's written by the Australian Medical Association.
0: Jamie, thank you so much for talking to us about that today.
1: No problem. Thanks for having me.
0: That's Jamie Lee Hawkins. She's a doula and you can find her at This Is What I Doula Online. Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt.